0: Hey everyone, welcome back. My name is Sam. And I'm Melissa. I grew up in the FLDS community. It is a polygamous group run by Warren Jeffs, and I moved out when I was 18 years old.
1: I was raised LDS. Sam and I have been married for almost nine years, have two awesome kids, and now create these videos to help bring compassion and awareness, and really just show people that we are all more alike and similar than what we realize. And the moment we can look at each other and see those similarities, the more compassion we can have for one another, especially for those who are marginalized or hurt by their religious leaders.
0: Yes, and the best way to support us in our videos is by liking and subscribing and sharing our videos. And thank you all so much for those that have subscribed and for those that are supporting us and being here with us today. Today, we're going to be wrapping up the Shiny Happy People documentary and discussing our final thoughts on the show.
1: Yeah. Episode three and four, I mean, episode two was a whirlwind of a lot of information, very long video. Um, We decided to put episode three and four together a little bit because it goes into a lot of political stuff that we'll touch on lightly, but um, there's really not a whole lot religiously to compare to that. So... We will get into episode three, which has a lot of comparisons and a lot of similarities, particularly to the FLDS leaders and Bill Gothard. So yeah. a lot of stuff that was like, oh, that sounds, sounds like more so just
0: familiar. <laughs> you yeah, a lot of things just really resonated and kind of sounded familiar to me based on the way I was raised. So I uh, found it very interesting.
1: Yeah, so in the beginning of episode three, um, they talk a lot about obedience, how a father is in charge of the daughter's sexual purity, and courtship, and that was like, FLDS, FLDS, FLDS. What yeah, was going on? Yes,
0: of course, in the FLDS, the fathers only had so much power. It was ultimately the prophet that would dictate what was to happen, the and the marriages and all of that. But, but it all went through the father. The father had power over the family. And then, you know, so that was definitely the, the, the line, the prophet, the father, and then those under him.
1: But they definitely, like all the male leaders or anybody who had the authority or were the caretakers, it was like their job to keep like their children pure.
0: Wasn't oh, it? oh, yes, for sure. Yes, it was their duty to make sure that their family falls in line, they're obedient, they follow the rules. And make sure that they do not have any type of relation. And I'm I'm talking a dating a date where you hold a hand type of relation was a big no no. Anything, anything, even looking at a girl outside of the family would be considered a bad thing.
1: Yeah, for those of you who thought that the Duggars only being able to hold hands before marriage was extreme, again, like it's crazy that Sam like not even holding hands was allowed. It was interesting to see when they're talking about um, Jill's courtship. And she was talking about the fact that, like, she was supposed to be going on dates, but then her father suggested that she go on a date with this guy. And how a lot of the IBLP people say that they had the choice, but people were kind of like given or chosen for them a lot of the times because the courtship, like the men would go to the parents and ask to court them and it was very formal it reminded me a little bit more of the Mennonites was it the Mennonites or the Hutterites
0: we we covered a few different (laughs) communities and now we're trying to remember what's what but I believe it was the Hutterites.
1: Hutterites where like they would like have never met before and then the parents Would agree to like courtship, but it was very, very formal, very, very strict. Um, So that's what the IVLP kind of reminded me more of. And they would say that it was a choice, but really it was like heavily influenced. We'll say that it was heavily influenced who they dated, who they courted and then obviously not being able to hold hands or anything. So a lot of those things reminded me of a cross between you and a cross between the Hutterites.
0: Right, similarities, but every group's a little bit different, yeah. but, but, but a lot of these extreme cultures and cults or whatever you want to call them do have a lot of similarities as
1: well. Yeah, they talked a lot about youth work programs <laughs> and how the youth would go and volunteer or parents would have their kids go to these camps or, Seminars and there's a lot of manual labor in that. And again, I was like, ding, 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 my FLDS radar is going off.
0: (laughs) So you know, it's interesting because part of my childhood, the the amount that I worked and the amount that I was required to work helped me build a work ethic that I feel has been beneficial for my life. Mm -hmm. But. The, on the other side of it, we were starting this work at such a young age. We missed out on a lot of other opportunities that I think would have been great for my life as well, such as education. So these sending people off to camps and that—that that kind of reminds me of what was going on with some of the other members in the community. That Warren would t- Warren Jeffs would take people out of the Short Creek area to these other compounds in Colorado and, and Texas, mm-hmm. and basically. Forced them to work extended very extremely long hours. Basically they were just working 24 seven almost. That is just a whole other level of abuse that thankfully I did not have to deal with.
1: I think another similarity between that IBLP and the FLDS too, when you're talking about war and taking the kids, is a lot of these camps where this child labor was going on, the parents weren't there, right? They were sending their kids to do that. And that happened a lot like in the Texas ranch, um, on Warren's compound there right where the children were being like taken from their parents sometimes in the middle of the night and then being worked who knows how long Like their parents had no clue what was actually going on and the IBLP you know they just trust like oh this organization knows what's best for my kids they're gonna make sure my kids are good not realizing any kind of harm that's being done or the amount of labor and it's all said that it's like for for good, right? In the FLDS, it's for building up the kingdom of God, for the IBLP, you know, it's creating character, and it's, um, they even said they had, like, all these different groups for, like, some of them were, like, military training, and you had ATI, and commit, and excel, and alert, and there were all these different things that focused on different aspects, but a lot of them came down to child labor.
0: And, child labor and disciplining them in a way that they thought was the best for them, you know, that... Yeah the the you say you bring up the military and it makes me think of when i was a young boy we would go and we would dress up in military like clothing best we could get uh, homemade <laughs> clothing and we would go and we would march and they would actually teach us to be disciplined and to do these different things similar to i assume what the camp xl is that what it uh, was
1: alert, I alert. The uh alert military one
0: okay but it sounded very familiar
1: Yeah, interesting that they, yeah, it's so interesting when some things are like so similar. They also talked about the way that they would like punish the children or teenagers all the way up to adulthood, but they would lock them in a prayer room with no furniture. And they said sometimes they could be locked for hours or days or even weeks until the leaders decided that they were ready. And that, again, was another super similar thing.
0: that that you would hear on the Keep, Sweet, Pray, and Obey and the other FLDS shows that are out now, they talk about that a lot, that they were sent to exile, they were sent to repent, they were forced out of the community for whatever reason. And in a lot of cases, even for months, maybe even years, they were forced to stay away from the community and quote-unquote repent in some cases of things, they were not even sure what it was. Things like the leaders would come and say, you have sinned in your heart. You're you've sinned in your mind, in your thinking,
1: mm-hmm. and
0: then they send them away. <laughs> so yeah, not, not not very good reasons.
1: And they would send away, like Warren just would send away mothers, like mothers that had young children, five, six kids, and the mothers are being sent away to repentance houses and excluded and left there for years. Like they're coming back, and their kids are going from like toddlers into these kids that don't even know their moms because their moms were repenting about something so while the FLDS focused more on the word like repentance and I feel like the IBLP, they were just saying that you needed prayer like you need to to like ponder and pray about it I mean it's basically the, the same thing like isolation as a form of punishment and to make you like sit there and think about what you've done and again just like Sam was saying with the FLDS where like Sometimes, a lot of times, people don't even know what they did. The one girl gave an example. She was in the prayer room for four days because she wore a small heel on her shoe. And she said the heel was, like, this big. And it wasn't against any of the rules. So, like, when she went to the camp, the rules didn't say that there couldn't be any heels. But her leader that day didn't like it. And she ended up in a prayer room for four days as a 16-year-old girl.
0: You know, this reminds me of an experience I had where... And this had nothing to do with clothing, but there was one day I remember waking up and my mother had gotten herself ready and she used a lotion on her face, not makeup, a lotion that made her face sparkle or, or be a little shiny or something. And one of the leaders got very, very upset that she would try to make herself look anything but natural.
1: Oh my goodness. Lotion like you can't even moisturize. (laughs) So
0: it's crazy. It really is. And speaking of just sending people away out of the community, I thought another thought I had was, I mean, for all of you parents out there that have kids of your own, it got to a point in the FLDS that was so bad. Imagine waking up one morning and one of your children was just gone. And these parents were in a position where they would wake up, one of their children would be gone and they would not even flinch. They would say, Oh, well, I guess the Lord needed them.
1: They were chosen. They
0: didn't know where they were, how long they would be gone, if they would ever see them again. That's the point that they got to.
1: Yeah, and so, if they asked like we've heard stories of mothers where they asked like, Hey, what happened? Oh, you don't need to know. They're building the kingdom of God. Yeah. That's and, it. All you need I more. mean,
0: because me, if one of my children disappeared, I would not sleep until I found them, right? Like I would fight tooth and nail. I would do whatever I had to do to get that child back. But they just were in such a crazy spot that they were willing to just do whatever they were told to do. Keep sweet. Pray and obey
1: yeah they talked about some other things there um they talked about like tampons being taken away calling them i think it was devil sticks the devil stick just all of these notions regarding even just feminine hygiene were just crazy um trying to tell girls like a girl who tried to get tampons and then she was told oh that's used for pleasure and that that's going to take away your husband's ability to Um, like, break the hymen, like, all these things. Once
0: again, it's all about the man, right? It's It's all all about the husband. It's all about...
1: Yeah, it's all about what he's supposed to have from you, right? And so, just super sad that, like, even just things like that where when these teenage girls would be at these camps and they're just trying to take care of, like, normal feminine hygiene, they're being guilted and shamed and told that they're horrible people. And they talked about the fact that they did forced confession, right? Like, shame and fear... And saying things like, oh, we know what you were thinking about, or we know what you were doing, or and basically like hounding people until they confessed as teenagers.
0: That that happened to me, to me and my brothers, sisters all the time. Yeah. And, and they would and they would <laughs> they would convince us that the Lord had spoken to them, had shown them that we had done something wrong. When in reality they had no idea they yeah, were calling every family in Short Creek in the FLDS church and saying the lord has spoken and i am supposed to call you and ask you what you have done wrong and and then of course we felt like god was talking to them and that uh, he knew everything so we had to tell them you know if if there was ever anything that we had done wrong we had to tell them and you know young people growing up we're not going to be perfectly obedient <laughs> and especially in a place that has such, so, many rules. so many rules, so many crazy rules in my opinion. And so of course, even though they were minor, there were things that we had done that weren't okay, according to the church. And then of course we would get in trouble for that, but they made it seem like God knew and he had told Warren Jeffs. And so now he knew. And so anyway, the forced confession was definitely something I dealt with.
1: Yeah. And like I said, even, like you experienced as a child, and then even with their adult members, adult men and women, the way that Warren Jeffs would separate families, that came down to the same things. They didn't know what they had done wrong, right? Mm -hmm. And so their mind just goes wild and assumes that it must be because they deserved it. So they went through um, quite a bit about (laughs) the Duggar family specifically, about how the children were not being paid for their labor, And or like for being filmed all that time and some of the dishonesty and stuff about that, which is just really sad and disappointing. I feel like anytime you see, again, these these shiny, happy people, right? And you assume that they're going to do and especially when they say all the time, when people preach all the time that they're wanting what's best for their kids and they're wanting to like everything they do in life is to help rear their children in righteousness. And then you see them take advantage of their own kids, even monetarily just super disappointing. Like we never watched the show, so I don't really have like any kind of connection. I'm like, they're just in my mind. I'm like, I don't have any connection to say that you're not just crappy people. I'm sure they think that they are trying to do what's best, but obviously fell super short. And
0: they'll even admit a lot of the the Duggar children will now come out and say, and they had mentioned it on the documentary that they're, It wasn't their normal life. Like people with the video cameras would have them retake certain scenes and get back in your clothes from yesterday because we want to add this little piece into the video, right? So it was very much staged. I mean, sure, there were probably some things that were natural, but
1: you can't
0: believe, you can't really believe everything that you see on these, I don't on these types of shows, in my opinion.
1: Yeah. So it's really interesting and they shared like later in the, in the episode about Jill and her husband finally saying, like, listen, if we're not going to get, like, we're not going to do this anymore. Mm -hmm. And they did end up stepping away. So that was nice to see them have that, like, moment of, that aha moment of realizing they were being taken advantage of. Obviously, those aha moments are always harder when it's by people that you trust, right? Mm -hmm. I think so often in any group like this, like, even for Jill Duggar, right, to be able to say, okay, I think what my parents are doing is not in my best interest. I've been told my whole life that they love me and they care about me and all they want so it's best for me. Taking a step away from the authority you've been taught to obey your whole life, whether it's leaving a TV show that your family's a part of, or if it's leaving a religious group as a whole, or leaving a bad situation that you're in, it still takes a lot of courage and it's so much harder than people think because your entire life you've been taught that they're doing what's best for you. They're doing what's best for you. They're yeah. doing what's best for you. Yeah.
0: No, it's, it's very difficult. I mean, <laughs> I know how it feels to step away from a family because you want to live a different life. And, you know, it's, uh, there's the aspect of your family not being there for you anymore and you not being there for your family, not having any kind of control over that relationship. And then on top of that, the the religious aspect, which is very difficult, trying to re-navigate life. What's okay? What's not okay? Uh, am I going to hell for, for my decision? You know, it's it's, it's very it's, it's very difficult.
1: Yeah. yeah. Speaking of authority and trusting the authority that is over you, they did talk about going back kind of to those conferences and and the yeah the training conferences. They were talking about the fact that whoever was like the highest authority at the moment or in whatever group you were in was considered your authority that you had to listen to. And I think a lot of times the IBLP would talk about authority the same way that the FLDS or even the LDS talk about the priesthood. Mm -hmm. And we had somebody comment once, and we might have to do a whole video on this because um, someone had mentioned, you know, we talk about the word priesthood a lot, And a lot of you might not know exactly what that means, and we can go a lot deeper into it, but basically the LDS Church believes that Joseph Smith received the power of God back from Jesus Christ back to this earth. So when we talk about priesthood, they believe that it is the literal power of God back on earth as it was in Christ's time. That's a very quick version. We might do a video on it talking more about that.
0: There's a lot. There's different categories different different levels of priesthood there's the thing called priesthood keys which is also another aspect to it there's a lot to it you're right we should probably do an entire episode yeah but in short it is god's power given to man on the earth to act for him yeah and to do his will
1: and in the words of the iblp they just would call it authority so as we're talking about this, I may say authority, I may say priesthood, but depending on the group, but really it's the same type of thing. Like in the FLDS, um, your priesthood holder, or even in the LDS, the priesthood holder would typically be the father of the home, right? They are in charge of that home, and they have the, like, responsibility over the spirituality of everybody in the home, the purity of people in the home. They have that authority over their families, right? And then different priesthood leaders or leaders up above that um, all the way up to the profit, all have different amounts of authority. And when the IBLP said, you know, whoever was there had the authority at that time and people had to listen to them, that was really similar with the FLDS and the caretakers.
0: Right, because that would change often.
1: Do you want to explain what a caretaker is? Well,
0: since Warren was placed into prison, the caretaker was born. And that was basically him taking families away just coming up with these crazy ideas as he's sitting there in his jail cell claiming that it's revelation of course but he would take one pe- one part of this family and put it with another family and in some cases take all of the kids away from this husband and wife or just the husband either way and put it with a different family and then the man in that family would become their caretaker so even though he wasn't even though he wasn't there biological parent he would become their caretaker
1: and the caretaker in the flds always had to be a priesthood holder it was always a man always had
0: to be a man exactly and because which is something else we'd have to talk about but as it stands right now women are not allowed to hold the priesthood
1: in in, the flds or the lds
0: exactly primarily speaking of the flds of course the authority in this uh, institution was also only for the man, right? Yep,
1: exactly. So did
0: they ever use the word priesthood or did they just nope. only authority? Okay. It was just
1: always authority, but it was, they did talk about the fact that because, and again, back to the same thing with the FLDS, because children were basically taught that the authority over them was the ranking man wherever they were, you know, when they were at these conferences, There was a ranking man that was the authority there. They were talking about how that really led to being able to create victims because if you're taught your entire life that your authority, whoever's in charge of you, you have to be completely obedient to, and that changes frequently, then how are you going to have a voice to tell anybody no if they say that they're in that position of power, which you saw with the FLDS too because kids, like I said, they weren't just... It wasn't a normal situation where, like if our kids, if someone, if another adult was to say something to them, they would say, yeah, but did mom and dad say it's okay? Or they would come to us, right? Because we are ultimately, just because we're their parents, are the people that they're going to go to. But the FLDS children are taught that whoever their caretaker, whoever is at that moment, and they get moved around like property so much, That they get used to having different people tell them they're in charge of them and they have to do it. Now I have to do whatever this person says. Now I have to do whatever this person says. All that matters is that they have the authority over me and then I have to do whatever they say. So then when they get abused, how are they supposed to say no to any kind of abuse? Whether it's physical or sexual abuse, they're just going to say this person has authority over me. So they must be right. I must be wrong.
0: It's such a jumbled up mess. I mean, you know, with our kids, we say, okay, you know that we are, we have your best interest in mind, right? It's very black and white. If it's a stranger you don't know, don't trust them. Simple as that, right? With these poor kids, a random guy could walk into their house and say, Warren Jeb's told me I'm now in charge and they have to just obey. Yeah. Even if they had never met that guy before. Yeah. It's, yeah,
1: and they talk about, and then, you know, the episode does go into the sexual assault at the training conferences because that would happen, right? There would be boys. They said, sometimes even it wouldn't even be like the older men, it would be teenage boys that were older. So then they had the authority to be sexually assaulting these girls um, at the conferences. They talked about Bill Gothard's brother, Steve, had been accused of sexually assaulting or sexually harassing people. And so he sent his brother away to a different training camp that was more secluded. And you know, when they said, this made me so sad, they said, girls who disobeyed Bill got sent to Steve in the woods. And I feel like, yeah, it, it was just heartbreaking. And again, reminded me of Warren Jess though, because he would, If any of you have heard um, from Keep Suprino Bay, like Elisa Wall's story, you know, she talks about the fact that she was a little bit rebellious and a lot of times they would marry the rebellious girls super young and force them to be in marriages at the age of, in her case, 14 to her cousin that she hated, um, which, you know, of course, led to sexual abuse and all these things as a way to try to, like, break their spirits. And so, you know, the idea of... A girl being rebellious getting sent to a sexual predator. <sighs> Unfortunately, it was another similarity. And same with Bill Gothard, right? Like 14-year-old girl sent, you know, he picked out, oh, don't you want to come work at this, at this, um, this conference? And when they're 18, telling different girls, like kind of picking out who he wants to have closest to him hmm. that he could either sexually assault or just sexually harass even. I think they did say one girl did come out saying that she was actually sexually assaulted and or raped and then the other girls were sexually assaulted or sexually harassed. harassed. A lot A lot of harassment. Um, underage girls, again, Warren Jeffs, right there. Abusing authority, right? Because all of these girls have been taught their entire lives that Bill Gothard was talking for God That he was only wanting what's best for them. And so when he would make advances or do these things that made girls feel uncomfortable, they stayed quiet.
0: I thought it was for their best interest or for their own good because what a privilege it was to be in his presence, right?
1: Yeah.
0: And that's, I mean, very similar to what Warren did, except for Warren would just make it seem that it was okay because he would just marry himself to them. And then... All of a sudden, it was all fine and dandy because he was married to them, even though he had eighty wives, right? Yeah. <laughs> Just. In-
1: Bill Gothard never got married. Right, and never had children of his own.
0: Yeah.
1: And I can't believe that that didn't raise like any kind of alarm bells at all. That like all of these people, thousands of people, are following him about how to have a successful, happy family. That they need to multiply and replenish the earth, and the importance of family in Christianity. And here he is, like. A single guy the whole time.
0: Like, I wonder if he tried to pull the card of, uh, I cannot, like
1: being celibate.
0: Yes. That because of his position, his, his religious or spiritual position, he shouldn't be married and have Like kids. monks
1: or, or yeah. priests.
0: I don't know. It did not mention the, it didn't, sh- mention. It, it didn't mention it in the show that I heard anyway. So I wonder though, like, cause yeah. how, how would people not be curious about that and ask and I don't know be concerned if if not
1: yeah it was really interesting they talked about in the wisdom booklets the law of crying out which again um, was so sad they were using scripture passages to justify that if a woman is sexually assaulted or attacked she needs to cry out immediately and if she doesn't then she is just as much to blame which again is so harmful especially in these situations of the fact that the people who were assaulting them were people that they thought they could trust and who were authority figures that they thought they couldn't say no to. This wasn't some stranger. Like, if it had been some stranger on the street, if if one of these girls was walking down the street and some random guy, you know, ran up to them and just grabbed them and started attacking them, maybe they would cry out. But when it's people close to you, which I think, what is it, like 75% of sexual assault happens to somebody from either a close family member or a close friend, somebody that you know, right? In those situations, those are the times when people are not going to cry out.
0: Right.
1: But then they talked about the fact that they would go around in a circle. They said it was a wisdom search. And they would say, like, have you been attacked? And what did you do about it? Did you cry out? And if not, you know, what part did, you, what role did you have to play in it? Which
0: putting the blame on them for something that they had no control over.
1: Yeah, we just watched um, Prisoner of the Prophet, the mm-hmm. story of the 65th wife of Warren Jeffs. And it reminded me a lot of her story where her older brother molested her and when she told her parents about it, her mother blamed her for it. Hmm. And this sounded like the exact same thing, right? Like you're the victim, you're molested by somebody that's in authority over you, and then if you don't cry out or yell when it's happening, then you deserved it and it's your fault. And it's just heartbreaking, heartbreaking. And One woman said, she's like, you can't even exist without inviting a man to attack you, basically, because she's like, if, they are looking at you, then you must not be like modest enough, then oh what was she wearing? Um she's like if you would be cleaning the floors, oh can you believe how she bent over to clean those floors? Oh can you believe what she wore? Like no matter what, there's always a way to put the blame on the woman.
0: I mean <laughs> it's it's crazy, really. I mean how, if you, you could take any situation if you're if you're going in with this mindset and blame Someone for anything, even if they had no intention of it. Uh, I mean, geez, why don't they turn around and start blaming the guys? You know, why was the guy looking for so long? You know, why was he in this? Why was he in this specific location at this specific time? It's his fault. He shouldn't have been around. You know, like why do they have to blame the women for everything? Just makes no sense. Preach it, babe. I don't know. <laughs> yeah,
1: no, it's ridiculous. One girl, and again, this just goes along. This is kind of the last heartbreaking thing about all the sexual assault that was happening but she said then when women were attacked they were told that um it just meant that like god wanted to use them you know it was god was strengthening them by putting this trial in their life and then he wanted to use them to be able to help other people and i heard that even growing up lds Right, when bad things happen to good people, it's an opportunity for them to be stronger, to be able to learn from that, to teach other people. And the one girl said, I was jealous of people that I knew that had been raped because I thought God wanted to use them more. So, covering up this, blaming the victim so much and then saying, at the end of the day, well, it just means that God wanted you to be strong and look how strong you are now and glorifying it so much. One, you're just normalizing women being attacked. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what it's doing. It's making it so that the guys, I don't want to say they don't even have to be held accountable, but what kind of fault does the man have at all? Like you said, like, nothing about them looking too long or anything. And even if they do attack you, oh, what, are they strengthening you now? Um, Just absolutely ridiculous to the point where women are thinking that it's somehow a blessing to go through that kind of trial is yeah I Shows mean, the depth of the brainwashing
0: yeah yeah I mean you have to draw a line at some point right I mean it's oh man I don't know I have no words
1: yeah it's just heartbreaking to see and it happens in the FLDS as well um a lot and all the documentaries that we have previously talked about with the FLDS you see the same pattern over and over again and all we can do is hope That the more people learn about these patterns, the less susceptible they will be in the future to becoming victim to it or becoming prey to it. Because these people are just trying to live the best lives that they can. Like these girls are just trying to be obedient when that's what they've been told. They've been told this is what God, you know, that God wants them to be obedient and that's what they're trying to do. And then people are abusing that power over them and hurting them
0: and i get that you know people go through trials in life and we are in some cases able to help others that are going through similar situations and be you know some a support or a help to them but that's normal trials. Like maybe you had a difficult financial situation and you were able to dig yourself out of it. So now you can help other people that are in a similar situation to try to glorify and say that rape is a good thing because of it helps you teach other people. That is just a whole other, that is not okay. And that's, that's why I say you have to draw a line at some point. You can't say that that's okay.
1: Yeah. I always just think of like, as a parent, and I kind of bring it back to being a parent all the time when Tim and I talk about these like tougher things, I'm like, at the end of the day, when people say, and I've, I've heard it not just for sexual assault, but other different trials, right? Like really hard trials, and people will say, oh, God gave you that trial, and everyone's going to have different opinions on this, and that is totally fine. Like, I understand, and you have to go based off of your experiences. But just to share a little bit of like my thought towards that, I personally feel like as a parent, myself, I would not, my kids I know are going to have trials in their lives. I can't stop all of them, right? There's nothing that I can do to stop the fact that life is hard and bad things happen sometimes. However, I would never intentionally make a problem for my children on purpose, especially these big, hard things. I would never give them sickness i would never give them a sexual assault that is nothing that i would ever give no matter how strong they could come out on the other side as a loving parent i would never give that to them right i could be there as a support when bad things happen but i don't really care for the idea of things being given to people that way i don't think that's what a loving parent would do
0: a hundred percent amen that's (laughs) all i have to say about that
1: kind of wrapping up episode three Bill gets into a lot of heat over the sexual assault allegations and they end up, the board ends up replacing him, like actually physically removing him from the property. It's so
0: interesting after, after because he, he created it, right? He
1: created it and they said, we already have the cash cow, we don't need Bill anymore. And they didn't want to deal with the problems with it. And a lot of people were speculating whether Jim, Bob, and Michelle are kind of like replacements for Bill, whether or not they're kind of just putting themselves because they're already in the spotlight. If they're just kind of sneaking their way in another warren jeff's move right like if you just kind of sneak your way in because if people you, already
0: are looking up to you and looking believing up to what you. you are saying why not take the opportunity to just say well lo and behold i'm now the new person that yeah. is here to lead you all astray i mean
1: <laughs> yeah um episode four Um, Like I said, it goes into a lot of political stuff, which while it was very interesting, we'll just kind of cover briefly. Unfortunately, and so heartbreakingly, Josh caught with child porn. Awful, awful child porn. And, you know, Jim Bob, his dad, again, had it covered for him as a child. Now he's going to testify saying he can't remember the details of what had happened the first time, um, which had to do with his own daughter. So the idea that he didn't remember is, I don't buy it. I personally do not buy it that you would just not remember what your son had done when it was something so far against what you claim your moral standards right. are. Yeah. Um, Jim Bob, you know, so he's, he's forgetting, and Josh Duggar does end up getting a guilty verdict. It was, you know, 12 years, 12 and a half years in prison. And they talk later about his wife a little bit because people, it's easy to look at her and say, you know, how? how is she staying with him? How is she staying with him? Yeah. And some people talked a little bit in it about how she couldn't leave. Like, it's so hard to leave. And again, that goes back to any of these high demand groups or any time that all of your skill set, like, she didn't, she had a homeschool education that wasn't the equivalent of what she had been told, right? Like, you're supposed to be a high school education. It's not. She was trained to be a mother. She now has all these children that she is a single mom for, and all these different things that just make leaving so, so hard. And there's just no way to really fully understand what somebody's going through like that.
0: No, no. It's, you know, try especially for the women, and I'll just speak for the FLDS because that's what I'm more familiar with. It's so hard for them to try to build a life outside of what they were raised because they were raised a very specific way. That was to say yes sir to their husband and have children and that was it and so if now they leave and all of a sudden they believe differently and they're trying to get a job trying to build a life for themselves you know and create their own family or something it's just like how where to begin they have to reconstruct their entire belief and everything they were taught their entire lives so it's very very challenging and i imagine it was very similar for jill
1: Yeah, for um, Anna.
0: I'm sorry, for Anna, yes. Yeah,
1: for Josh's wife. Yeah, I can't even imagine. The last kind of thing they talk about is just the political side of the IBLP and the fact that they were really trying to raise a lot of children to get into political spheres. You know, Jim Bob had been in politics before. He ran for state senate while Josh was in the middle of his trial, which is a bold move to try to do that. Like, Mm. your son is... Being convicted of looking at child pornography and you're running for state senate.
0: And this is, his son is being convicted of this after all All the the other other stuff before was swept under the rug. You know, like, ah, like, when are they going to put an end? They did put an end to it now, thankfully. finally got what was coming. But, geez, I mean, the first episode or second episode when it talked about some of the stuff he did years and years and years ago when he was a teenager i was like oh you gotta be kidding me but then to see that it was continuing on after he was married after he had children and then he was getting into child pornography of all things like seriously obviously he was he was never fixed as they would say when they sent him away to the church camp
1: yeah and just yeah so 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 sad they talked about the joshua generation movement and just the idea of having these young kids like go into political situations, learn about politics from a super young age, be super involved, end up becoming senators and doing all these things, talking about um, Christian homeschool graduates going into politics to bring back America to Christianity. I really think they probably need to do like a whole separate documentary on this because it kind of felt, I don't know if rushed, but it felt so like scratching the surface about this stuff that it almost felt conspiracy level. I don't know, like I'm not saying it's a conspiracy, but like they scratched so lightly on it that it was like out of the blue. Okay, so you're saying that they're trying to take over the country and the world, cool. And then it was like the end. (laughs) So I don't know if they're ever gonna do another documentary on this. Maybe we just need to do more research of our own and find out more about this because it was interesting, but it was odd enough that it just felt a little lacking into like what it actually was talking about, but basically trying to train them to be politicians. The whole IBLP is such an interesting organization to me because they're not claiming to be a religion and there's all these different aspects and acronyms and there's all these other like, Come here, and you get military style training, and go here, and you have this, and but like our beliefs in spanking come from this other book, and our beliefs in this come from it. Like, it's such an interesting melting pot of ideas that all kind of. It felt like Bill Gothard was like grabbing at all these different things. I don't even know how they keep it all straight, honestly. But I know people think of that a lot of times within like Mormonism as well. You're like, that's a lot of stuff to like whenever keep straight. There's,
0: whenever there's a lot of rules to follow. Yeah. But when you're raised in it, it, then it'll make sense. Yeah. For sure. It's
1: easier to keep track of those things. They did talk about, like, Madison Cawthorn. He had become a congressman. He was a part of the Joshua Generation movement. And then sexual allegations came up against him. (laughs) And so, just kind of tying all all of it together that these same kids that are being raised with the umbrella of authority that got mentioned so many times, you know, the umbrella of authority, every, I think every single person in the documentary mentioned it at some point, the umbrella Mm. of authority, Mm -hmm. but it's definitely showing that, like that umbrella of authority was causing problems at like every single level, like the kids who are growing up in it, like Josh Duggar are doing awful things. Kids who are being told to, you know, make America, whatever, And bring America to Christianity and do these righteous things to build up the kingdom of God. Or as Jim Bob said, you know, he was running for state senate. He wants to fight against Satan. And yet there are sexual allegations against these kids who come up and become congressmen. And Mm. they're having all of these things that a lot of times stem back to that umbrella of authority.
0: Yep. When you give someone all the power and tell them that they are they are in charge and you can get away with whatever they want to get away with. It's not surprising that so many of this, so many of these people have the power to get to their head and in some way feel like they were untouchable.
1: Yeah. Like Sam said, the ITI or sorry, ATI, they mm-hmm. stopped in 2021. So just barely like two years ago, they, uh, that was the homeschool curriculum stopped. And now it's just a Bible study. So instead, you know, They were getting a lot of heat, a lot of sexual allegations were still coming out against Bill Gothard. And then it just kind of ties up with a lot of these people talking about deconstructing. And again, I feel like all of this, the fourth episode just felt so surface level. Mm -hmm. I really wish we could hear more of all these people's stories and their deconstruction, especially because we know how hard it is to deconstruct. And they were talking about... You know, even addiction recovery or when leaving, falling into dark places. And that can be so common when you feel like you're already going to hell and you're already going against everything that you grew up in. Oh,
0: yeah. Yeah, I agree. And it's very likely that they do come out with another documentary, a second documentary. That would be great to go over some of the, I guess, where people are now and what they had to go through to get there.
1: Yeah, maybe we can reach out to some or if there's anybody who has contact information um, for anyone that they'd like us to interview possibly and be able to learn more about their personal story too and be able to empower them to tell their story in more full, like authentic way rather than such an edited. We know how documentaries work, right? Like it's very edited. Um, They even had some people on there like briefly that seriously said like one sentence. Um, It really felt like they ran out of time with this documentary. And so hopefully we'll be able to talk to more people in the future. If yeah,
0: There's someone who wants to share their story more in depth that we would love to hear from you.
1: Yeah. And just thank you all so much for being with us through this and through this series. It was very interesting, eye-opening. I had no idea about the so IVLP mm-hmm. before this. A, <laughs> lot,
0: a lot of this was new to us, but uh, we feel we are thankful to be aware of it now and uh, to be able to share this with so many others.
1: Yeah. And the more that we can create compassion for the people who are the victims of this. Because again, remember the everyday people in the IBLP, the, especially the children in these, like they're just doing the best that they can, the best they know how, and they really are victims to the system and to the leaders. And it's important to have compassion for those people and hopefully help them be able to find a path that can um, bring them happiness without them being victimized.
0: Yep. And it's easy to say, how could someone get wound up in this? How could they even go to these seminars and things? And, you know, that's kind of, honestly, it was hard for me not to think that when I first started watching this, I was thinking, wow, why would someone even get involved with something like this? But then I have to quickly remember how easily I was sucked into this type of thing. And, you know, it's just based on beliefs, based on what your parents tell you, based on how realistic it sounds, a lot of times if we're in a certain uh, stage of life where maybe we're looking for something, maybe we're looking for the next step, some way to be better, some way to help others or something along those lines, that type of organization can get to you. And so I guess be careful what you're getting involved in and uh, don't blame others for getting involved in things.
1: Yeah. Thank you all so much. If you want to hear more of what it was like for Sam to grow up in polygamy, please like and subscribe and we'll talk to you all soon. We will
0: talk to you soon. Thank you all.